Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Aren't you thankful for the name of Jesus? Wow. The name that's above every name. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to that name. The name of Jesus. The name that's been given to you and I to use, to speak, to tell mountains to move in the name of Jesus. To proclaim healing that belongs to us in the name of Jesus. To tell demons to flee in the name of Jesus. Call my finances paid in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Speaking life over your children in the name of Jesus. Speaking life over your marriage in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Calling the seats in this church filled in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. People in here being spirit-led in the name of Jesus. Thankful for the name of Jesus. Thankful for the blood of Jesus. We're singing praises and worship. It's not songs. We're praising and worshiping Him. The name of Jesus. Lifting it up. They were shouting. I was thinking when they started shouting, there's not a lot of shouting that goes on in churches. There was millions of people shouting at the TV yesterday, I guarantee you. When the favorite team scored or they should have scored, maybe they said something they shouldn't have. There's a lot of shouting going on. But it's different when you're shouting to the Lord, when you're shouting the name of Jesus, when you're shouting victory, because you need to remind yourself, we're not shouting for a victory, we're shouting from a victory. We say this often. We've read the book. It says we win. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, we just thank you this morning. We are glad to be in your house. We thank you for your anointing. We have an attitude of gratitude this morning. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We give you all the glory and all the honor that we're going to leave out today better than we came in. And we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Before you sit down, just find two or three people and tell them good morning. Praise the Lord. Y'all glad to be here? Yeah. I was expecting more people to be here. I mean, we got an extra hour of sleep. <laughs> Usually when we go the other way, springtime, a lot of people aren't here because of that extra hour, they just can't drag out of the bed. I thought, surely we gained an hour, it'll be packed. 
Not the case, but <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to this morning. And um, we've been talking about being spirit led, things of the spirit. And if you've been here, you know I'm not going to backtrack. And what the Lord was leading me to preach on today, uh, I was in my office this morning thinking, um, what's this got to do with the spirit or being spirit led? And it wasn't until just moments before. I came in here that I realized it's got a whole lot to do with it. It's got everything to do with it. And so we'll get into that in just a moment. But um, I have this sign up here. I saw one in my neighbor's yard. It said, Jesus 2020. I thought, I'd like to have one of those. That's pretty cool. And the next thing you know, we've got some out there. Somebody bought them. They're selling them for 10 bucks. If you want one, get it. Put 10 bucks in that offering bucket out there by the coffee. If you want one, you don't have 10 bucks, take it anyway. I'll put the 10 bucks in it for you. But is he running for office? That's what I thought when I saw it in my neighborhood, I thought. I didn't know he was running. But really what it means is we have a, an election that's ahead of us just days away. And what are you going to vote? Jesus 2020. He is righteousness. He is righteousness. So what we need to vote is righteousness. If you're voting righteous, you're voting correctly. You're voting right. If you're not voting righteousness, then you're voting wrong. And we need to be voting righteousness. Amen? Amen. And 2020, what a year it's been. I see posts and comments about what else could possibly happen this year. Okay, you know, what else could possibly happen? What else has 2020 got to offer? And I reflect back on 2020. I've had a great year. Amen. I mean, I've had an absolutely... Excellent year. It's been wonderful. I've enjoyed it. I know it's different for everybody. I'm talking about personally for me. And I remember in the first of the year last year, I said 2020, and it's a year uh, that the Lord's going to open our eyes to see some things clearly, more clearly than we ever had, like a clear vision. Had nothing to do with 2020 vision. I wasn't even thinking about that at that time. And then I realized, wow, 2020 vision, perfect vision. And I want to tell you, for me personally, I see things more clearly now than I ever have in my entire life. For one thing, I see how much fear is in the nation we live in. I see how much evil is in the nation we live in. I've had people removed out of my life that didn't need to be there and had my eyes open to some things of that nature. I've had some people put in my life that I'm thankful for. Proud to have them. Praise the Lord. The only thing that's changed for me in 2020 is it's been a little bit of a pain doing schoolwork. Baseball season got cut short, and uh, but the traffic's been great. <laughs> I mean, we just zip around like it's nothing now. And uh, what they say, the, the people that got to go to work, the people that stayed home, um, I forget what they called you. Um, essential. I find out all the non-essential people can't drive. <laughs> Because it's, you just cruise right through. All the essential people know how to drive a car. That's just a joke. It's just less people on the roads what it is. I haven't been in any traffic jams other than a couple of wrecks. But uh, anyway, I know 2020 has been hard for some people and good for others. And I'm just talking about for me. It's been good. Um, and it's going to get better. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Jesus. But we need to vote righteousness. And uh, we live in a time right now, and I've made some notes here, and we've got some scriptures. I don't know how close we'll stick to this. But um, in a time where um, society wants to bend the truth and bend the word and bend the Bible and bend things to fit that agenda, when the Bible should never be bent to fit society, society should always be bent to fit the Bible. And you start hearing these words about, um, you know, unprecedented. We live in unprecedented times. And that just, they just, people just want to bend the truth to accommodate what they call the new normal. This is just new normal. And it's not really unprecedented times as much as it is just a manipulation of emotion if you just want to get right down to it. But bend the truth, bend the word to accommodate these unprecedented times. What is precedent? It's the past. It's a past example. It's something behind you. How do you know what to go to when you don't even know what you're coming from? So these are unprecedented times. Basically erase history. Change history. Like I said, if you don't know what you're coming from, then where are you going to? What you going to? It's unprecedented. Have y'all heard those words? You hear it often. It's unprecedented. Unprecedented. So unprecedented times. We can't go to church. We can't go to school. Because we can't be closer than six feet together. Unless you're doing a peaceful protest, which means we're going to knock all the storefronts glass out, go in, loot the building, and then burn it down on the way out. And that's okay. Let's just get real. You don't have to have a mask for that or stay six feet apart. Some unprecedented, unprecedented times is why we can't go to the church house. Well, let me tell you, this is the embassy. When you go into another country, there's an embassy, a U.S. embassy, and you get in trouble, you can run to the embassy. Well, this is the U.S. embassy. The church is the U.S. embassy because, you, I mean, the uh, embassy of heaven, rather, because we're ambassadors of Christ. We're not from here. We're from somewhere else. We're just passing through. We are just ambassadors for Christ. When, when there's trouble... You should be able to run here to the embassy. But these unprecedented times, we're going to have to shut the church down. Now where are people going to run to? They're going to turn to something. And we did shut the doors down for about four or five weeks. If I could go back in time, I would have went to jail. I'll tell you the truth. I would have went to jail. Rodney Brown, I've only heard him preach once. He did go to jail. I'd like to shake the man's hand. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. But at that time, of course, you don't know exactly what to do. Want to respect your leaders. Do what they ask you to do. That's what we did. A few weeks go by, then you realize what's going on, and you're like, we've got to open the doors of the church. People still need to get saved. People still need to hear the word. This is where you this is the hospital. Some of us just got checked in before others. I got checked in a long time ago. They brought me to the ER. So Jesus Hospital's always got to be open. It's not unprecedented times. It's perilous times. You know, it's just old truths and old foundations and old traditions. 
old traditions, beliefs that are passed on from your family, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, so on and so forth, godly beliefs passed down. That's the traditions I'm talking about. I'm not talking about tradition of man. I'm talking about beliefs that are passed down. It's not an old truth. It's the Word of God. And unprecedented times doesn't change, shouldn't change, uh, truth and foundation which our lives should be built on, which is the Word and uh, uh, things of that nature. And I've got the wrong uh, scriptures pulled up here, but it won't take me a bit of a minute and I'll get it fixed. What's today's date? The first? I've got the first on here, but this is not the right scripture. Not even close. Actually, none of them are right. Today is the first, isn't it? Yeah. It's the first. There we go. They saved the day. It's right. It's good. Calm down. You're good. Well, my wife, she's afraid I'm going to fire her. And... Uh, we don't want to have to do that because she works for free. So, <laughs> It's not unprecedented times, it's perilous times. Look right here what Paul says in 2 Timothy. He said, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Boy, I'm telling you, that despisers of good, there are people out there that just absolutely despise good. You'd think even an evil person would like good, but I'm telling you, they despise the very likeness of anything good. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, the Word of God says, to turn away. When we tell you, I still believe the gospel. I still believe the power of the gospel. I still believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. I still believe no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I still believe a thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand my right hand, and no evil will come near my dwelling. I still believe in those things. I hope you believe in those things. I believe that His name is still the name that's above every name. I believe every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. It hasn't changed. Unprecedented times has not cha changed the fact that greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. Praise the Lord. The truth that was then is still the truth that is now, and it's the truth that's going to be. Jesus for 2020. Will you stand? That's the title of today's sermon is Will You Stand? And I hope you'll stand. Praise the Lord. In Daniel, the third chapter, the fourth verse here. Um, most people know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that wasn't their names that was given their birth names. That was what their names were changed to. But we'll get into that probably a little bit later on. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are here in Babylon. And um, they're giving some instructions. 
Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up before you. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the symphony, with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now you have to look at these, these three Hebrew, these, these boys here. They were from Jerusalem. Uh, I can tell you, they found themselves in a place where they didn't think they would be. They didn't ask to be put here. And I think about myself and think about you guys and think about life and think about places I've been in before where I didn't think I didn't ask to be here. I didn't ask to be put in this position. I didn't I asked to be given these circumstances and have to choose one way or the other. Talk about unprecedented times. They're telling them, if you don't worship this golden image, you don't bow down and worship, we're going to throw you in there and burn you alive. You're going to be a crispy, burnt, nothing left but ashes. We're going to, you bow down or we're going to roast you. Talk about unprecedented times. These guys are living, they were in Jerusalem. And uh, you're talking about living there, generations passed down and family, moms and dads and aunts and uncles and cousins and this family in Jerusalem, which is God's city. And now the next thing you know, they find themselves living a little bit different life. They're living in Babylon. They're not in Jerusalem. They're not where they thought they would be. They're living with a bunch of eunuchs. They're not at home growing a family. They're not with their family. They're not uh, reaping the rewards and the benefits from the, the traditions and the generations passed down because now they're in a foreign country and they're a slave. They're a slave living with some eunuchs in Babylon. You might not know what a eunuch is. If you don't know, let me tell you. When you take your dog to the vet, a male dog, and they go, snip, he leaves a eunuch. Actually, there was a lot more snipping going on in that time to be a eunuch. It wasn't just a little snip. It was a, it was a snip. <laughs> no more. Gone. That's what a eunuch is. You think a eunuch is having a family? Do you think a eunuch is going and multiplying and being fruitful, having children, growing a family? No. You take a man and you put him with a man, you're not going to have children. You take a woman and you put her with a woman, there won't be children involved. So the king, let me back up to the Daniel, the first chapter. I also want to give you an idea where these three men found themselves. In Daniel, the first chapter, it says, The king instructed uh, Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles 
He says, young man, and who there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now, they go over there and they take out, handpick 70,000 people from Jerusalem. 70,000. And you notice there he picked the cream of the crop. The best looking, the smartest, the wisest, the ones he thinks can best serve his kingdom. He goes and picked out the best. The best. You know, I, I can think they're probably over there in Babylon as slaves, living with a bunch of eunuchs, thinking, I'm being punished for being good. I was smart and I was wise and had these uh, talents and gifts, and now I'm being punished for being good. I know people that have thought that way before and felt that way before, and I've seen, seen it happen before. I've seen it with children. And, um, you know, the way parents would treat one over the other. And, but they're over here. Now, I want you to take a look at this. He went and got the best. The enemy went and got the best and brought them to make them slaves. You think about the enemy in your life. Sometimes you're wondering, well, why is he keeping on, keeping on, kicking me while I'm down? I've already had enough. Does he not ever stop? Or why is he attacking me? Why is he not attacking them? Why does it seem when I get one foot ahead, I'm getting knocked back down? Or if I get up, I'm getting knocked back down? It's just relentless attack, nonstop. And we could go on with examples. Let me tell you, I, I, think, it's, I think it's spiritual. I think it's because you're the best. He doesn't want you working for the kingdom of God. Amen. If he can get you out of the kingdom and get you over here as a, as a slave and bound in bondage to him, amen. Sometimes you, you, you say, well, you know, I've, been, I've, I've made it several years and life's been good. Satan hadn't even attempted me or he hadn't done one single thing to me. Well... Maybe you're not much of a threat. Seriously. Amen. That's the truth. So he goes and gets 70,000 of them from Jerusalem. Now, we read there that he says, I'm going to feed you the finest foods, the delicacies, and the wine that's mine. But you know, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they said, no, we're not going to eat that. Because these are... These are foods that have basically been blessed. Basically, they have not been blessed, but basically we have gave uh, our thanks to this God, to this idol. Like we said, the blessing, thank you, Lord, for this meal. Well, that, those, that food had been taken, and thank you for this false God, thanking this false God for this meal. They said, we're not going to partake of these meal, this meal from the king, his delicacies and not his wine. We're going to eat what we, we want to eat. What we, we're going to continue to eat what we've been eating. So, you know, you, you think about being that, but I thought, I read that and thought, you know, if I'm going to be a slave over here with a bunch of eunuchs, taken away from my family and everything I know that's good, I'm going to at least eat some good food while I'm here. <laughs> but they said, no, we're not eating this food. Uh-uh. We're not going to do it. Well, the king found out about it. 
The king found out about it, that they had chosen to just eat their diet, which was basically fruits and vegetables, and he was impressed. Uh, he was so impressed that he went to see them. In the 19th verse, it says, The king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, uh, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's their names. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found the ten, uh, them ten times better than all the magicians, all the astrologers who were in his realm. In other words, he went and interviewed them. He was so impressed that they, did, they chose not to eat what he provided for them to eat, the delicacies and, and the wine. He was impressed, so he went and interviewed them. And when he went and interviewed them, it says he was impressed that he found them to be greater ten times better than all the magicians and all the astrologers. That he found them to be better. Do you realize that their choice distinguished them? That he saw excellent, excellence in them? He was impressed. He saw excellent. Why did he see excellent? Why were they distinguished? Because of the choice they made. Praise the Lord. We should be making choices. There should be choices that we make that distinguish us. The world should see a difference in you and I than they do everyone else. He called us out from among us, among them, to be ye separate. We're supposed to be separate. There should be a difference other than sitting in a chair on Sunday morning. Worldly people, anybody, everybody should see a difference on you every day of the week. There should be something different. It might just be a subtle difference. I was thinking about me and Jesse, went, we were together last Saturday. We went out in the woods. We went riding with a group of men. It's me and him and another friend named Kyle who uh, lives down south. He came up here to ride with us, and he's a good man as well. He's a Christian. And we rode with some guys. They're good guys. I like them, or I wouldn't have been there. Pretty good fellows. But there was a little difference, a little difference between them and us. What they held in their hands sometimes during the day was different than what we, what we held in our hands. We held some of these. They held some aluminum ones. Not a lot, just a little. The words that came out of their mouths were a little different than ours. Not a whole lot, just a little. But I thought anybody ought to be able to tell there is, a little, there is some difference here. I didn't preach to him. He didn't preach to him. I didn't condemn them. There's a difference. There's a difference. The world should see a difference. If you're around a big group of people and everybody's cursing but you, somebody should walk away from that group and go, you know, I noticed he didn't even say one curse word all day. A difference. Something different. Now I don't know why you didn't. I have friends that can turn it off and on when they're around me. It's amazing. I, I was with my friend yesterday. I had to help him load something that was very heavy. Called me over to help him load it. I'm like, dang. I wanted to tell him I was doing something else. But I went and helped him. And uh, we we're talking about cursing. And he said, oh, yeah, I cuss all the time when you're not around. I just don't cuss around you because I respect you. And I'm like, so you, you choose to cuss? Like, He's like, well, yeah, it's just, you know, it's part of my vocabulary. It's just, you know, how, it's just adjectives. It's not just adjectives. <laughs> there should be a difference. Amen. There was a difference between these guys. They were, the king saw them as excellent. And like I said, there was a distinction. It was, they were distinguished by what? By choice. Now, the king 
He has a 90-foot statue. We read it. He says, you're going to bow down. When I bring this 90-foot statue, everybody, when you hear the music and the symphony, you're going to bow down and you're going to worship. You're talking about an unprecedented time and place that they found themselves in. 70,000 were brought over there. You know there was already some existing, so we're going to say at least 100,000 or more are out here, and now there's a 90-foot statue brought out. Now it's time to bow down. So everybody, 100,000 people are bowed down, but there's just three still standing. Now, if you're one of the 100,000 bowed down, you'd be like, hey, guys, you're supposed to be down here bowing down with us to this golden image. And if you're the king, you would think, well, that's pretty successful. I mean, 100,000 bowed down. Only three remain standing. That's pretty good. No, he wanted everybody to bow down. If you think anything's changed today, it happened. You don't think the enemy wants you to bow down? The enemy doesn't come with a uh, red suit and horns and a pitchfork and a long tail with a point on it. And I'm sure somebody last night for Halloween dressed up like that or something. That's not how the enemy comes. He comes through people. He'll come through a church. If you don't think he'll come through a political party, then you must have been living under a rock because he will. He will. That wants to take your rights away from you and take you from what you know and have you bow down to a golden image and have no choice. Maybe not throw you in a fiery furnace, put you in jail. Just slowly take things away from you, take things away from you, take things away from you, slowly take things away from you. Let's defund the police. That's a good idea. That's real genius. You want to defund the police, you're going to see more anarchy than you've ever seen in your life on the street. You don't need to defund them. You need to add to them and pay them more. That's what I think. And the ones that are left, they can't do much because every time they do something, they get put in jail. I mean, good grief. It just just all boils down to will you bow or will you stand? Will you bow or will you stand? And this nation's been doing a whole lot of bowing for a whole lot of years, which is why we're in the situation that we're in right now. Ninety-foot statue. So the king says, well, who are they? Who are these three? So let's pick up right here, Daniel, the third chapter and the eighth verse. Therefore, at that time, certain uh, Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Barf. (laughs) You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the whole symphony, the whole music, all that playing, when you hear that music, fall down and worship the golden image. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. They reminded him what he said. They said, well, there's certain Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They they, they regarded what you they're not listening to what you said. They don't serve your gods or worship the golden image which you set up. I get they were offended probably. 
that we did it, but they didn't. Now we're offended. Where's my safe place? <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my gods or worship the golden image which I've set up? Now he said, Now, you ready? You getting ready? You ready? Because we fix and play the music. And when you hear the symphony, when you hear it playing, you're going to bow down. He says, But if you do not worship, you will be cast immediately into the midst of the fiery furnace. And who is this God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, what, what is the case? What is the case? If, I th- if you decide to throw me in the fiery furnace, if that's the case, if we don't bow down and you choose to throw us in the fiery furnace, If that be the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Our God is able, and he will. He's able and he's will. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's able then, he will then. He's able now, and he will now. He's the same. Nothing's changed. Our God is able and He will. I know there's a lot of translations of the Bible and some of them are incorrect. You better go back to the original language and study this scripture out. And I'll tell you right now, this New King James Version in this portion right here, it's, it's, it's on point. He says, in this case, if this be the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. But if not, if not what? Most people preach, but if not, if not, He don't deliver us. No, if that be the case, our God will deliver us. But if not, if not what? If not, that be the case. In other words, if you throw us in, our God's going to deliver us. If you don't throw us in, we're still not bowing down. Either way, whether you throw us in or whether you don't, we're not bowing down. And if you choose to throw us in, our God's going to deliver us. Now, do we have to uh, put emphasis on the fact that, of course, they won't be bowing down if they get thrown in and burn, and God don't deliver them? In other words, some people say, when they preach this, this isn't any part of my sermon, I just want to get this point across to you, that I'm going to serve God even if he, if, he, if he delivers me or not, even if He don't deliver me, even if He lets me get burned alive, I'm still going to serve Him. And that's why I'm such a faithful saint, because I'm, I'm going to serve God whether He does it or whether He does it. Well, let me tell you, if you're facing to get thrown into a fiery furnace, and you say, my God's able and He will, but if He don't, <laughs> do you see that? My God will supply all my needs according to His riches and glory, but if you don't. By His stripes, we were healed past tense, so I want to receive that healing today in the name of Jesus. But if you don't, it makes no sense. It's not faith. People think it's being more faithful saying, I'm going to continue to serve Him even if He doesn't get me out of that fiery furnace. That's not faith. Faith is my God's able and He will. Throw me on in there if you want to. My God's able and He will. Praise the Lord. But if not, let it be known to you, O king. And like I said, some people say, but if he doesn't deliver, if he doesn't deliver me out of there, if God doesn't deliver me, O king, we will not serve your gods. 
if God doesn't deliver you and you're burnt to a crisp, it's safe to say you ain't going to be bowing down to nothing. I hope you can see how that verse is taken out of context. There is no if you don't in faith. There's not an if you don't in faith. Praise the Lord. So anyway, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they have this meeting here with King Nebuchadnezzar, and they say, well, King, we're not bowing down. If you throw us in, um, our God's going to deliver us. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you, this king, he's the most powerful man in the whole universe at this time, the whole planet. I mean, Earth. He's the most powerful man on planet Earth at this time. He's it. He don't have to pay anybody to slander your name. He'll just slice your head off. But they stand up to him. They go, king, we're not going to do it. Now, um, so how does Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego get in this point, to, in, this, in this position to begin with? Well, I want to back up and show you something. It's in Isaiah 39th chapter. We'll get there in a moment. But in Isaiah 39th chapter, you'll see King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah was a good king. He was a king that God worked miracles in his life, but was he a perfect king? No, he wasn't a perfect king. There's never been a perfect king, and there's never been a perfect president. There's never been a perfect governor or mayor, and there's never been a perfect preacher until you came here and you met me. I'm kidding. There's never been a perfect one except one king, and they nailed him to a cross, the king of the Jews, the king of kings, our Lord and Savior. But King Hezekiah, he was a good man, and there was miracles that took place while he was reigning. And uh, King Sennacherib, if that's how you pronounce it, he was the king of the, Assyri of the Syrians. And he had gone, he'd been going around conquering all the cities of Judea. And so now he says, well, now it's time to conquer Jerusalem. I've conquered all these other cities around Judea, and now I'm going to conquer Jerusalem. The only problem with conquering Jerusalem is that was God's city. That was the difference between that city and all the other cities that he had conquered. Now he's coming to conquer Jerusalem, which is God's city. And he brought 185,000 men to do the job. So 185,000 soldiers come into Jerusalem to conquer Jerusalem and take the city from King Hezekiah. And if you go and read the story, you'll see that the angel of the Lord killed all 185,000 of those soldiers while King Hezekiah was asleep. There's a song we sing. This is how I fight my battles. You think about Jesus sleeping down in the bow of the ship, resting, resting. And they're like, oh, get up. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Jesus says, come on, guys. I mean, where's your faith? Rest, trust in me. In other words, I'm on a ship. It's not going down. Amen. And I say, Hezekiah's asleep. While he's sleeping, while he's resting, God fights his battles for him. Sends an angel, wipes out 185,000 men. So people didn't know who King Hezekiah was, but let me tell you, after 185,000 men are killed by King Hezekiah, or by God, King Hezekiah, now he's got a big name. He's pretty popular. He went from King you know, Hezekiah to Ohezi over there. I mean, he probably had some kind of like a little nickname. Like, you don't want to mess with Ohezi. He killed 185,000. 
You don't mess with him. He, they were impressed. So they sent some letters. Babylonian leaders sent some letters and Babylonian dictators came. Diplomats came and um, they met with him. The word says he had been sick and he had recovered. You could say maybe he had been quarantined for a couple weeks. <laughs> and he recovered. Praise the Lord. And they came to visit him and they brought him gifts. They brought him nice things. And of course they did. He's the man. 185,000 people will testify. Dead people will testify that he is the man. They brought him gifts and nice things. Of course they want to be on his good side. So they come in there and they butter him up with some gifts and some nice things. And old King Hezzy, he was intrigued by what they had to say. And he kind of went on a little bit of an ego trip. And he starts leading them through and showing them all his things and his palace and all his fortune and all, all what I've done, what I've done, what I've done. And I put this scripture up here for you to see in Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. It says, I'm the Lord. That's my name. And my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. He says he's not going to share his glory with anybody else. That's why when we pray, we say, we give you all the glory. All of it. None from a man, but we're going to give you all the glory. Well, King Hezekiah was taking some of the glory. I've done it before. I mean, boy, have I. I remember years ago when I was working and had an excellent week at work. Actually, at, some, at one time in my life, every week was excellent. I'm talking about, it was ridiculous excellent. And Jackie would say, this is years ago now, years ago. It pains me to think that I would even say this. What an idiot. But she's like, well, thank the Lord. Uh, thank, thank the Lord. That's such a blessing. I said, well, I didn't, I didn't see him out there working with me today. Let me tell you, everything that I had made all those years quickly disappeared. Quickly. I'm talking about quickly. Gone. But I just got a little too big for my britches. I didn't see him out here today. I had other problems in my life going on. Um, so, you know, I just kind of had a hard heart towards things of God. And anytime she would say, thank the Lord, thank you, Jesus, or I'm praying for you, or well, whatever, something sweet like that, I was hard towards it. But... I'll tell you who broke. I did. I thought I was going to break her. <laughs> no, no. I broke. Thank the Lord for it. Thank the Lord for it. But let me tell you, we have a good week now. I'm quick. I know where it's coming from. I know who breads my butter. <laughs> Butter's my bread. But, butter's my bread. Yeah, well, whatever. So I can relate here to old Hezekiah. Some of you can as well. I don't know if I actually said those words out loud to her or not. I can't remember, but I sure thought them. I probably said I probably said a lot worse than that out loud if we want to get right down to it. But you know what? That windshield's bigger than the rearview mirror. That's why we look in the head. Praise the Lord. We serve a God that's merciful. But here's Hezekiah showing out. 
Let me show you a scripture. And Hezekiah was pleased with them and showed them the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices and precious ornament of all his armory and all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. He showed them everything. This is the enemy. This is people from Babylon that are there in his house and he's taking them in and he's showing them all my stuff. Let me show you all my stuff. Isn't it, isn't it wild? Then Isaiah the prophet, he went to the king Hezekiah, and he said to him, What do these men to say, say to you, and where did they come from? And Hezekiah said, Well, they came to me from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in your house? Well, first of all, he shouldn't have let them in the house. You don't let the enemy in the house. I mean, there's some Alabama fans in here. Do you let Auburn fans in your house? That would be silly. But some people take it that serious. Well, I take that back. This person, Auburn fans, I wouldn't let in my house. Not because you're from Auburn, just because you're some kind of nut. Hezekiah answered, and they said, They have seen all that's in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. I mean, he showed them all everything. And notice everything he says, my house, my treasures, among my treasures, my treasures. Now, how, how many times are we in front of people and uh, hesitant to tell them what the Lord's done for you? Because I don't know how they feel or how they react or how they believe. They might not be a Christian or they might have a bad experience in their life or they might have had a bad experience in their in church or bad experience, whatever. So I'm just going to say, yeah, life's been good and I'm doing real good. My business is doing well and I'm working real hard. Or my mama was sick for a couple weeks, but she just, she just stayed with it and now she's feeling better. When he really should have said, yeah, my business is blessed. My family's blessed. My whole life's blessed. Everything I touch is blessed. The favor of God's upon me. My mama got sick. My grandma got sick. My wife, my children got sick. But you know what? We just stood on the word of God and God brought us through just like he always does. And so many times we're hesitant to say that because, well, they might think you're just some kind of weirdo. Now, you better give God the glory and all the honor for everything he's brought you through, everything he's bringing you through. He's never forgot you. Surely we shouldn't forget him. But, oh, has he forgot? Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Now everything for all these generations, everything that you've been given, you're going to lose every bit of it. All of it's going to be carried into captivity. For generations, all of it. Talk about unprecedented. It's like erasing it like it never happened. Now y'all are over here in captivity. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you will beget. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. In other words, I agree with it. For he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. Get a hold of that. Yeah, they're going to have to pay for it. At some time, 
on down the line, there's going to be payment for it, but at least it's good while I'm here. At least I'm enjoying life. At least I'm having peace. At least I'm, I'm reaping the benefits. Life's good for me. Who cares about the ones that come behind me? Boy, the same thing happens today. You see parents just leaving it up, doing any old thing they want to, not thinking about the, the tragedy that they're leaving behind for their children. We're supposed to leave a legacy, not a tragedy. We'll just kick it on down the road. We'll let the next guy pay for it. We'll let him deal with it. This, this, the debt in this country is almost $27 trillion. And if you take the individuals, every man, woman, child, every baby, every human being that's alive in your house, that's a U.S. citizen, owes over $80,000, it's no big deal. It's just a national debt. And what concern is it to me? Well, it'd be a concern if they come knocking on your door and say, give me that 80000 But somewhere along the lines, it's been, we're going to have fun now. We ain't worried about it later. You better quit swapping the card. Save it up. A slave. Become a slave to the lender. Truth. Generational neglect is what you could call it. Lives destroyed, but we got peace now. We having fun now. Partying now? I'm enjoying things now. All these affairs I'm having, I'm having fun now. Lives destroyed, but peace now. You could say that you're forfeiting the future for self-gratification. Forfeiting the future for convenience. Because it's easy. It's the easiest thing to do. Someone else will do it. Boy, in construction, don't we see it? Guys in here that do construction, somebody else will do it. It starts at the bottom. When they start pouring the concrete, well, the framers, they'll, they'll do it. And then the framers, well, you know, the, the electricians, they'll handle that. Well, the sheetrockers, they'll get it. Well, you know, the old painter, he'll take care of that. Well, the guy on the roof, he, he'll take care of that. It gets, it gets passed on. It always does. If you've, done, if you've ever been in construction, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody else take care of it. It's, it's close enough. We'll just kick that on down let somebody else take care of it. That cup out in the parking lot, I, you know somebody else. Walk, I, ten people don't walk. Somebody will pick that thing up eventually. Take the truth out of school. We take the truth out of school, you know, you can't talk about God in school, take the prayer out of school. It might, might offend somebody or something like that. I thought it was in God we trust. I thought it was one nation under God is what I thought. Well, we're going to take God out because somebody might get the feelings hurt. Is it not still one nation under God? Is it not still in God that we trust? What in the world has happened to the country we live in? Let's take the Ten Commandments out. When you take the Ten Commandments out, when you take God out, when you take prayer out, what you're taking out is fear of the Lord. When you take out fear of the Lord, what that is is reverence for the things of God. And then now all of a sudden, now you've got a, a society that says, I'm my own creator. I can create what I want. I don't even know what I come from because it's unprecedented times and history's been erased, so I can just create what I want to be. I can just be gender X. We ain't no creator. 
I know that's not good grammar, but you are not the creator. We're the creation. They can't take God out of school. They cannot take God out of school. They can't take God out of anywhere that you're at because you carry him with you. But here's what happens. If you don't stand up and you don't speak up, ain't nobody going to wake up. And you can do it at work. You can carry him with you to work. I don't leave home without him. Forget that American Express. <laughs> Isn't that what American Express said? Don't leave home without it. Forget that. Don't leave home without Jesus. Stand up. Don't bow down. Stand up. The world needs to see a difference. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You see, in my lifetime, boy, it's changed. I'm sure the older people in here have seen a lot more than me. And, um, you know, a generation of people that have, have gone through a godless school system, a godless society, not a God-fearing society, no reverence for the truth of God. And the next thing you know, those people become leaders and they're making the most irrational decisions, the most immoral decisions that you can't even wrap your mind around it. I mean, when I was in high school, if somebody told me when you're in your 40s, you're going to be a pastor, first of all, I wouldn't believe that for a second, but they're going to be taking babies and just ripping them apart and selling their body parts. I would have said, there ain't no way. But it's happened right before my very eyes. What, how did it happen? Because there's 100,000 bowing down, eh? What my three standing? You think it's changed now? There's a lot more bowing down than they are standing. Think about it. Are you, are you, let's just say you've got a shirt with the president that you want to vote for on it. I don't know who you want to vote for, but you better vote righteousness. And I'll tell you this, abortion, that's not righteousness. Mm-mm. Cain, where's Abel? I don't know. Well, his blood's crying out to me. You don't think the blood of 60 million babies is crying out to God every day? I got sidetracked thinking about all them babies. Hmm. Straight from the pits of hell. Absolutely straight from the pits of hell. Period. Period. Well, he's arrogant. The other guy's arrogant. I'll take arrogance over abortion any day of the week. I read this article from John Piper, and I ain't down on him because I don't know him, but I read it, and he said he can't vote for either side. He, he specifically said, I can't go right, nor can I go left, because the left, um, they're aborting babies, and I can't vote that way, but I can't go right either because uh, they're boastful. You're going you're gonna to compare boastful to murdering a, a, a baby and ripping out of his mother's womb? Are you kidding me? You say, well, sin's sin. No, it's not. Why do you think there's a judge? You think, you think Hitler's getting the same treatment in hell as a nice guy that never did anything wrong but just never accepted Jesus? Why, no. The sentence will be different. Why do you think there's a judge? You take a man who spent a lifetime of raping women or molesting children, you don't... 
Let me go ahead and tell you what the demons in hell are lined up to do to him every day. He's going to see the other end of some raping and molesting. These people become leaders, irrational thinking, immoral things. They neglect the truth. You neglect family. The birth rate in the United States of America is less than 2%. Every successful country in this world has a birth rate of over 4%. We have a birth rate that's less than 2%. Let me tell you, if there's not any young, if there's not any young people, who's going to take care of the old people? I've got four kids. <laughs> I feel quite confident that they're going to take care of me and my wife. I do. I take care of them. And I'm glad I got them. Because there'll probably be a point in my life where I'm going to need somebody to take care of me. Lovers of themselves. Back to seven, Second Timothy 3.2. For the men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. Lovers, people that are lovers of themselves are trying to redefine family, and I hope you see that. Are trying to erase history and say we live in unprecedented times. That's why we can't. That's why we can't. That's why we can't. There's two type of people in this story we read. There's those who bow and those who stand. Talked to a fellow this week. He said, he's a couple years older than me. He said, I've never voted in my entire life. But I think I'm going to this time because I'm a little concerned. You've never voted in your entire life. Do you realize that somebody went and put their life on the line or gave up their lives just so you could vote. So well, I don't like my choices. Well, you better pick a choice. What's this got to do with being led by the Spirit? Well, it's got a lot to do with it. I hope you're led by the Spirit when you go to vote. Because the Spirit of God will never mislead you. Don't go by what I said. Don't go by what you saw on the news. You pray. Lord, show me who to vote. The Spirit of God will always lead you to vote righteousness. But what I want you to see in this story is there's two kind of people. There's those that bow and those very few that stand. And I just want to ask you this morning, are you going to be one of the ones that stand or one of the ones that bow? Because that 90-foot golden image comes in lots of shape, forms, and fashions. For some of you, some of us, don't let me exclude myself, but some of us, that 90-foot image is a television at your house. And garbage is coming off that screen into your eyes and into your children's eyes. For some of you, it's what's going into your ears and what you're hearing and what they're hearing. Some of, some of it's off of your 90-foot image is a computer. Or maybe it's an affair. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's alcohol. I don't know what your 90-foot image is that you're bowing down to. Maybe it's why I'm going to vote... This way, I know abortion's wrong, but it's going to help me better in my taxes. So now you're choosing money 
over life. That's one reason there's a scripture for that. It says it's going to be a lot easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man in the kingdom of heaven. When money's more valuable to you than life, you have a 90-foot golden image in front of you that you're bowing down to whether you want to accept that or not. And I know you're not supposed to mix politics with religion. At least that's what they say. You know, separation of church and state until the state wants to tell the church what to do, then it's okay. But as your pastor, if you want to, I said pastor, like a cow pasture. No, I'm not a pastor. As a pastor, pastor, I'll tell you, I'm voting righteousness. And righteousness is right. 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 Because if you're not right, you're wrong. In Matthew 25, he says, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. The goats will be on my left. They're going to inherit eternal fire. And the sheep will be on the right. And they're going to inherit what? The kingdom of God. That's just a coincidence. Well, believe that if you want. But it's not. So will you bow or will you stand? And whatever the golden image is in your life, I'm just saying... It's time to wake up. When we're bowing down, we talked last week about we want to be led by the Spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. Lead me and guide me every step of the way. But then we have these sins in our life. We're bowing down to this golden image. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. That's what it's got to do. I said today it does have to do with being led by the Spirit. It's absolutely got to be led by the Spirit. I mean, being got to do with being led by the Spirit. When you're bowing down, you are absolutely grieving the Holy Spirit. And you're choosing to bow down rather than take a stand. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I need His leading. I need His guidance. I can't make it a day without Him. I need Him. I certainly don't want to do anything to grieve Him. That's why we all need to choose to take a stand. Amen? Praise the Lord. I believe I'm done. I don't even believe we're going to close with a song today. I just believe we're going to close with this. If you're going to bow down and continue to bow down, you got something in your life right now, you're bowing down to a 90-foot statue, or I'm going to take a stand, what's it going to be? You gonna bow or you gonna stand? Well, I'm waiting. Everybody's sitting down. Bingo, he stood up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Take a stand at work. Take a stand at your home. Take a stand at the gas station. Give him the glory. Give him the honor. How are you doing? I'm blessed. Better than I deserve. That's how I'm doing. You are. Heard you sick better than I deserve. Heard you broke your arm better than I deserve. Thank you, Jesus. Glad I had an arm to break. Praise the Lord. I'm going to raise this other one up. Praise him until this one gets better. Whatever. Take a stand. This country's got to take a stand. Christians in this country, we've got to take a stand. Dear Lord, what in the world? Somewhere along the way, they've decided if you're a man and you're a Christian, you've got to be a wuss. 
Um, that's the truth. Not so. Sons of thunder. Go read about Jesus' disciples. They were rough. They'd whoop you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. Father, we're not a group of people that's going to bow down to a golden image or to worldly things. We're not bowing down to money. We're not lovers of money. We're not prideful. We're not boastful. We're going to stand up for the things of God. We're going to stand on the truth of God. We're going to stand on the foundation of the Word of God. We're going to stand on the beliefs that have been passed down through the generations. And we're going to continue to pass that down on to our children and our children's children and our children's children's children. We're going to pass it on, the truth of God's Word. We do have reverence for your Word. There is fear of the Lord here in this house. We have reverence for you and the truth of God. We thank you for it. We ask you to lead everybody on Tuesday. We're yielding to your spirit to lead us to make the right decision. And Father, we give you all the glory and we give you all the honor. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, y'all enjoy your week, and let me remind you about Wednesday night. There's some good preaching and teaching.